Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for being with us today. I thank you for receiving our praise and our worship and bringing us, the Lord, before your presence. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here in this place. And I thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that we have received from your hand. I ask you, Lord, now that as we share this word, that you will speak to us, that you will reveal to us what it is that we need to see in it and that we will learn something about what it means to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. We pray that in his name. Amen. Jesus is between Galilee and Samaria. He's traveling in the border section between the two regions. If you read the Gospel of Luke, you know that there comes a time in the story in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus turns towards Jerusalem and heads to the holy city to give himself up for us on the cross. This was the reason that Jesus came. This was the big mission that he was about. This was the whole point of his whole life and ministry. And you know, whenever you are on a mission for something, you kind of make a beeline for it. You kind of get concentrated on it. You know, it's like if you're cooking something and you're missing one ingredient, you get in your car and you go straight to the supermarket, you pick up that one thing and you come back. Why? Because you're on a mission. You have something to accomplish. Jesus wanted to be in Jerusalem by the time of Passover because that is when he was going to be given up for us. And so he was, on a, he was on a tight schedule. He needed to make that journey, and he needed to be there just in time for the plan of God to be fulfilled in his life. That said, Jesus is traveling between these two regions, Samaria, which was, of course, populated by Samaritans, Gentiles, and the region of Galilee, which would have been Jewish, and would have been dominated by people that were religious and people that were of the Jewish faith. In one side, you would have had 
synagogues and places of worship that recognize God as the only God. And in the other, you would have had all kinds of different temples worshiping all kinds of different deities. And in between these two regions, Jesus is traveling. And the scripture says that as he came to a village, 10 lepers approached from a distance. See, they couldn't get close. Leprosy was contagious. Leprosy made them unclean according to the Jewish law. So they couldn't come close to Jesus and the, the disciples. So they did the next best thing. They began to shout out, to cry out to Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. They made their request known with cries and shouts. And we have to understand that this is 10 lepers and every one of them is crying out because every one of them is experiencing this terrible disease. Leprosy in ancient times was a death sentence. There really wasn't appropriate treatment or cures or remedies for it. When you were diagnosed with leprosy, you could no longer be around your family and your friends. You could no longer live in town. In fact, whenever you were diagnosed with leprosy, they kicked you out of the village and out of the town to live in the outskirts because they didn't want you spreading the disease. So these 10 men had been suffering not just the disease, but the isolation that came from the disease, the separation from their own family and friends the rejection of the people that they had known all their lives. You know, lepers back then were treated kind of like sometimes the homeless are treated today. People didn't see them, didn't want to see them, didn't want to be around them, didn't want to deal with them. They were relegated to living in leper colonies and makeshift Circumstances outside of the villages and outside of the cities. It was a terrible fate because leprosy didn't kill you right away. It was slow. It was progressive. I mean, think about it. Today you have ten fingers. Tomorrow you have nine and a half. In a couple of weeks you might be down to eight. In a few months, you might only have four on each hand. And as the disease continues to progress and you continue to get worse, the pain, the agony, and the separation must really get to you. So we have to understand that these 10 lepers were desperate. They were desperate for something to happen that would change their lives. But because this was a death sentence, their cry to Jesus was an act of incredible faith. They said, Master, recognizing that Jesus had authority, had power, that he was somebody special, that he could do something about something that nobody else could do anything about. And they asked for mercy an indication that they felt that he could and would want to do something for them. 
The Old Testament records a lot of cases of leprosy, but very few people got well from it. You should remember that one story does tell us of a man called Naaman, who was a Syrian, who got sick with leprosy and was told by one of his, the people in his house that he should go to Israel and go find one of the men of God that he would heal him of his leprosy. He went to Israel and visited the man of God who told him that he needed to go bathe in the Jordan seven times in order to be healed. At first, Naaman thought this was odd because the Jordan's not the cleanest of rivers and he didn't really want to do it. But his servant convinced him. He said, you know, it's not that hard. If it heals you, it's worth it, right? He went and did it and he was made clean. But we have to understand that Naaman was the exception to the rule. This did not happen all the time. People did not get better from leprosy. They just continuously got worse. So when these lepers called out to Jesus to ask him for mercy, when they called him master, they were, they were proclaiming a faith in Jesus that many others had not been able to proclaim in him. Most people were wondering who Jesus was, and they knew he was the master. They knew he was someone who could make a difference. They knew he had power and favor from God. They saw Jesus for who Jesus was. And Jesus in turn saw them for who they were. When everybody else would have ignored them or told them to be quiet and leave the master alone, Jesus responds with a command, what I call a compound command, a command that has multiple things attached to it. The first one is go. Go. Move from where you are to where I'm sending you. Go. And the second part of the command, show yourselves to the priests. Now, there's only one reason why a leper would go back to a priest to show themselves to that priest. You see, this wouldn't be the first time that they went to the priest. When somebody developed symptoms of leprosy, Leviticus chapter 13 tells us that they were to go to the priest and be examined. This is like the first doctor's visit. They went to the priest and the priest was supposed to examine all of their sores and all of the places where the disease could be seen. And then the priest was to isolate them and wait seven days. And after seven days, they had a follow-up. By the way, that's where the follow-ups come from, from your doctor said, we'll see you back in a week. It's from the Old Testament. The priest would see them after seven days. And what were they looking for? Well, if you read Leviticus chapter 13, they were looking for the change in the sores and the injuries, the, the, the signs of the disease, whether they were progressing or they were scabbing over and healing, whether the skin was restoring itself or whether it was continuing to get worse and worse and spreading throughout their bodies. And the scripture says that if the priest saw 
that the sores were not healing or scabbing over, that they were spreading throughout the body, that it was getting worse, red, and yucky, for lack of a better word, that he was to declare that person unclean. And you know what happened when you were declared unclean? You lost everything. You lost family. You lost friends. You lost all of your human contact. And you were cast out of the city. These men had been through that. They had leprosy. They had already been through that process. They had already been cast out by family. They had already been told to leave town because we don't want what you got. They had already been rejected by those who professed to love them and care for them. And Jesus is telling them to go and show themselves to the priests. How many of us would have been willing to go back for a second dose of rejection and humiliation? How many of us would have been willing to go back so that somebody could tell us that there was no hope for us? Because that's usually what happened when somebody had leprosy and got worse. The priest would just send them away. The scripture says that when Jesus told these men, go and show yourselves to the priests, they headed in that direction. I want you to hear that. They headed in that direction. They're still covered with leprosy when they leave Jesus to go to the priest. They still have every single sore. They still are missing whatever fingers have fallen off. They still are missing pieces of skin here and there. They are still hurting from the disease when they decide to obey the command to go to the priest. And it is only as they go on their way to see the priest that the scripture says that they were clean, that they were cleansed, that the disease left them, that their skin was restored. What would you do if you had a terminal illness and all of a sudden were healed? You know, most people would go party or celebrate or go see the people that they love to hug them if they haven't been able to do that. If your disease was contagious, then you would probably go and hug and kiss everybody on your way there because you have missed that human touch. One of the lepers that was healed immediately turned around. He ran back to Jesus. But he didn't just run back. He began to praise God and to, to glorify God on his way. He was telling everybody along the way of what happened to him. I used to be covered in leprosy and I have been made whole. I have been cleansed. And people were going, how? And he was going, Jesus. He was saying, Jesus. He sent me to the priest. 
And as I was going on my way, I was made whole. You know, if you could barely walk and get around before because of all the pain and all the pieces that had fallen off, and all of a sudden you were made whole, you would be jumping and leaping and telling everybody about it. You would be celebrating to such a degree that everybody would think you were a spectacle because you would just be giddy with joy and celebration. The scripture says that he ran back to Jesus, praising God, telling everybody about what happened, and he fell at Jesus' feet, thanking him for the miracle that he had experienced. What an incredible story, isn't it? When Jesus sent them, there was no sign that they were going to be healed. When Jesus told them to go, their leprosy was still with them. When they got instructions, they didn't know how things were going to play out. But isn't it the same with us? When God calls us out, when God calls us to go, he doesn't always tell us how everything's going to work out. He doesn't tell us how things are going to play out. He just says, go, trust me, believe in me, have faith in me. If I call you out, if I call you to go, I'm going with you. If I call you to go, I'm going to do it. These lepers had an incredible faith in just taking those steps towards the priest. That's why all 10 of them were healed. Even though only one came back, the scripture says all 10 of them got their healing. Why? Because they all walked in faith. They couldn't see the miracle when they left. But as soon as they headed in the direction that Jesus had called them, the miracle came. God invites us to have that kind of faith in him that before we have seen the evidence of what he's going to do, we are willing to step in the direction that he's calling us. As we go on the way, Jesus makes us whole. Jesus restores that which is broken. Jesus continues to bring healing and wholeness. When Jesus saw the one man that came back, the scripture says that he said, where's the other nine? Didn't I heal ten? I love that Jesus knows all ten of them were healed already. He's like, they all got it. Where's the other nine? They all got the healing. Where's the other nine? And you see, I have my, my suspicions that the other nine had an idea of other things that they thought were more important to do than to come back and thank God for their miracle. They had ideas of things that they had been wanting to do and had not been able to do because of their disease, and they thought they would, this was their chance to go do them. And Jesus says, only this one Samaritan came back to give thanks to God? Notice that he, Jesus wasn't looking for them to pat him on the back. He wasn't looking for them to go, thank you, Jesus. He says, only one came back to praise God. He wanted to give God the glory for the miracle. He wanted them to be able to give God the glory for what had happened in them. When he says only this Samaritan, 
He wasn't trying to be discriminatory against Samaritans. He was pointing something out. That the others, if they had Jewish backgrounds, should have known about the Almighty God. That they should have known that they needed to thank Yahweh for the miracle that had happened in their bodies. That they should have known better, that they should have been willing to do whatever it took to give God praise so that others would praise God for their healing. And in a way, he was disappointed that it was somebody who was pagan who didn't have that background in the worship of the one almighty God, Yahweh, that had returned to give thanks. God showed mercy that day for all ten, but only one expressed thanksgiving and praise. There's an old hymn that says, To God be the glory, great things he has done. You know, one of the things that God wants is for us to always be telling others about what God has done in our lives. The miracles that happen to us are not just so that we will go, woo, celebrate, I got a miracle. It's so that we can be living witnesses to the power of God that transforms, that heals, that restores, that provides, that sustains. The miracles are so that we can be inspired in faith and inspire others to also have faith in Jesus. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. What great things has God done in your life? What do you need to give glory to God for? What do you need to praise him for? What do you need to fall at the feet of Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, for? Because if you really look, we all should have something to share when it comes to giving God the glory for the things that he continues to do every single day. If you woke up this morning, you should have given glory to God. Why? Because he gave you another day. No day is guaranteed. Everyone is a gift from God. Now you might say, Pastor, this is an extreme example. I don't have leprosy. I don't have anything like that. But aren't there plenty of other things in our lives that are slowly killing us and taking away our joy and our peace? Aren't there plenty of other things that are making us unclean and keeping us from walking in righteousness? Aren't there things in our lives that need to be washed away and healed and made whole? I would say that Jesus is still inviting us to, to call him master, to call upon his mercy and his grace, and to ask him to tell us where to go, to tell us what to do. And then to give us the courage to be obedient enough to go where he sends us even when we don't see how it's going to work out. See, Jesus just invites us to believe, to have faith. He says, I see you. I see your struggles. 
I see your situation. I see your illness. I see all that you're going through. Just as I saw those lepers, I see you. And I can make a difference in your life. When no one else sees you, Jesus says, I got you. I'm here for you. When we feel that we are alone in our situation, we need to remember the story. We need to remember that Jesus says that he can and will make a difference in our situations. And we need to remember that if he sends us to go, we need to go. And if he tells us to believe, we need to believe. And if he says, I got you, he'll have us because he is trustworthy. Great things he has done. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for these 10 men who were willing to cry out to you. They were willing, O oh Lord, to put themselves on the line to ask for mercy, ask for grace, ask for an opportunity to have their lives changed and touched. Lord, I ask that you will give us that same courage, that courage to cry out to you, to call out to you, to trust you, Lord, in all things. That we will know, O oh Lord, that when no one else sees us, you see us. When all, no one else gets us, you get us. When no one else can make a difference, you can make a difference. Help us, O oh Lord, on this day simply to call you master and to obey your call to go and to do as you say. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>